Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Candace Paul, and on today's episode, I will be reading a chapter from my first book, Spiritual Warfare. Feel free to download a copy on Kindle for only $4.99 so you can follow along or read ahead. Each recorded reading will be clearly labeled so you don't miss anything and you can hear every chapter. The sequel, Spiritual Warfare Rise to Power, is also available. Make sure you get that too. So without further ado, Spiritual Warfare by Candace Paul. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians 5.26 Chapter 4 Sarah Her eyes opened and were transfixed on the thing ahead. I should probably call someone about that soon, she uttered. The small crack in the ceiling had grown larger since she first saw it. Her alarm progressively grew louder, but she ignored it and continued to lay there. It had become increasingly more difficult to get up every morning. There were some days, if not for her career, she would probably stay in bed watching the crack in the ceiling. Sarah grabbed her phone and quickly scanned each new email. Luckily, there were no missed calls from work, so the emails could wait until she reached the office. She smacked the alarm button hard and grabbed the remote. It may have been reflexive at this point because her fingers instinctively found CNN. The volume was loud. It had to be loud. For Sarah, the scripted banter of news anchors was a comical paradox. They could never transition appropriately between stories. Most still, smiling as they delivered sobering news. How does one shift from viral videos of cats playing keyboards to bombings in Syria? Sarah slid her pedicured toes into her slippers, threw her satin robe over her shoulders, and made her way toward the kitchen. She could smell the imported Colombian coffee before it brewed. An ex-boyfriend once told her, a cup of coffee is the only guaranteed bit of happiness you can count on. That turned out to be true, because she couldn't count on him. She entered the bathroom and turned the faucet until it couldn't go any further and aggressively doused her face in cold water. The sound of rushing water as it pooled in the basin of the sink reminded her of childhood. Her father would often pretend he was going to spray her with water while he gardened, but never did. It became a joke between them that lasted late into her teens, just before he died. She reached for a washcloth to gently dry her face and slowly opened her eyes. Confronted by her reflection, she really saw herself. Her real hair was splitting at the ends from too much straightening, and her roots had grown out. It was time for a touch-up. Her natural chestnut brown coloring was a sharp contrast to the dirty blonde highlights she adored. She'd almost forgotten how her eyes looked without greenish-blue contacts. They seemed darker than she remembered. All the background noise began to fade. The news anchors were no longer audible. The rushing water muted. There was total silence. An intense, unexplainable feeling of sadness shrouded her. Sarah tried desperately not to cry, but knew that was the only acceptable time for it. So she did. She dropped to the floor and pushed herself to the nearest wall. She held her knees tight against her chest and hugged herself. She wanted to cry out to someone or something, There was something she needed but could not articulate. Sarah was always confused at this exact moment and was ill-equipped to solve this problem. She was never good with feelings 
and not understanding why she felt this way inexplicably made her angry and frustrated. She released a deep sigh and then quickly composed herself. <sighs> I might need a stronger dosage of Zoloft, she thought. Each morning was a continual battle to keep it together, keep from breaking apart. Zara turned her head rapidly and faced the far corner of the bathroom. She stared at the empty space momentarily. Nothing was there. She felt silly expecting to see someone standing there. Sarah pushed herself off the ground, wiped her eyes. She glanced one more time at the mirror, disrobed, and stepped in the shower. Sarah started to love gray. Her closet looked like a monochromatic grayscale devoid of black or white. She never really liked black or white. For her, the colors were so here or there, when gray was contentedly in the middle. Her closet was neat. Her clothes were freshly dry cleaned and lined up perfectly. She needed a pantsuit. She was feeling particularly venomous today, so she grabbed her Louis Vuitton snakeskin pumps with tote bag to match. No outfit was complete without Gucci sunglasses. She walked confidently into the lobby and heads turned. She stepped outside and waited under the canopy. The concierge greeted her cheerfully. Good morning, Miss Michelle. How are you? Sarah, more concerned with locating gloves in her oversized bag, didn't respond. It's unusually cold today. What? Oh, I, I said it's unusually... Why am I waiting out here? Sarah interjected. Shouldn't there be a car here waiting for me? Ah, yes. Miss Michelle, you're right, but you were about 30 minutes behind and I wasn't sure if you were headed to the office today. Your car was assigned to another resident, but another car will be here shortly. Sarah pulled her sunglasses down to see what was written on his name tag. Anthony? Yes, ma'am, he responded. How long have you been working here? Sarah sounded less annoyed and seemed genuinely interested in knowing. I've been here for three years, around the same time you moved in. Really? I thought you were a new hire. Anthony was confused once he realized she had no recollection of him. He greeted her every morning for three years. <laughs> no, ma'am, I'm here every morning. Sarah may not have noticed him because she was always on her phone or simply preoccupied with something else. Whatever the reason for missing him all these years, it was forgiven. Anthony just appreciated the dialogue. You like it here? Sarah asked. She was subtly flirtatious. Carefully looking him over, she waited for his response. Anthony couldn't hide his grin. He'd had a small crush on Sarah since the first time he saw her, but never thought he had a chance. He still didn't think he had one, but acknowledgement from a beautiful woman was enough for him. I do like it here. Everyone has been friendly, and my supervisors are always willing to help and answer any questions I have. Sarah was bored and made no effort to conceal it. She scrolled through Facebook as Anthony spoke, aware he was starting to lose her, but eager to continue the conversation, he inquired about her interest. So, what do you do for work? You always seem so busy. It must be important. It is important. Very important. It requires a lot more thought than opening doors for people, which is why I'm surprised I'm still waiting for my car. Anthony got the subtle dig and was surprised at how quickly her tone changed. Sarah was done feigning interest. She was done chatting with the help. She was ready to go. It should be here any moment now, Anthony said. Listen, when I come outside, 
I just want to be able to hop in my car and go. Understand? So if I'm late, pick up that little phone and ask, don't assume, what my morning plans are. Anthony's smile faded. You're absolutely right, Miss Michelle. I'll make sure I do as you've requested in the future. The car pulled up and Anthony opened the door. Sarah stepped in. Once seated, she rolled down the window. I hope I was clear. I really wouldn't want to get your supervisor involved. Someone had to teach these people professionalism. In her experience, they were quick to talk and slow to perform. Sarah has always been at the top of her game and expected others to do the same. No one made concessions for her, and she didn't want any. She arrived earlier than most and always was the last to leave. She worked through college, interned, fetched coffee, and took a lot of crap from people to enjoy a six-figure salary. Sarah learned that people don't become successful in Washington, D.C., the political hub of the world, by being pushovers or waiting their turn. You want something? Take it. Better yet, convince someone to give it to you. Her company was one of the biggest names in government contracting in the nation. The company did billion-dollar business with the government because it always anticipated the needs of agencies like the Department of Defense, Central Intelligence, and others. It had a sizable portfolio of investments, and her firm was frequently looking to expand acquire, and find the latest innovations. Sarah climbed the corporate ladder by being shrewd. She willingly made the decisions many hesitated to make, and for that, she won respect in an industry dominated by men. When Sarah arrived at the office, her assistant was there to greet her. Good morning, Miss Michelle. Here's your double shot skim latte and low-fat brand muffin. Sarah passed her and made no effort to grab the items. Instead, sat in her office and waited to be served. Who called me, Sally? Her assistant's name was actually Shiloh, but Sarah didn't think that she looked like a Shiloh and thought Sally was a better fit. Her assistant handed Sarah a spreadsheet of all the incoming calls that morning with the name, time, date, and nature of the call. Sarah found this to be another teachable moment about being at the top of your game. Sally, I need the number of Captain Edward Holland, Sarah said authoritatively. Shiloh looked puzzled. I'm sorry, Miss Michelle, did I forget to place the number on the sheet? Sarah balled the sheet up threw it across the room, leaned forward, and stared at her. No, his number is on the spreadsheet. However, I asked you for the number, Sally. Shiloh, clearly intimidated, stumbled over her words. Um, uh, well, well, Miss Michelle, I don't have the number memorized, Shiloh replied, wondering what the penalty would be for this infraction. Sarah began looking at her computer screen and typed as she spoke. One of the criteria I was insistent upon when Human Resources interviewed candidates for your position, Sally, was that they select someone smart with a good memory. Though your position does not require much thought, I was adamant on that point. Shiloh nodded to show her understanding. You might not have realized this, but our company has supported his program's office for over a decade. We have about a dozen other loyal clients like him that specifically work with me because of the relationship we've built. If you are going to assist me, you need to know them as well as I do. You need to know everything about them, including their numbers by heart. 
I want you to embed this information into your memory, Sarah said. Sarah knew this was never communicated to Shiloh before and was also aware the expectation was unreasonable. However, she wanted to see her reaction. She wanted to see if she'd be challenged. Is there anything else I can get for you, Miss Michelle? Sarah looked up from her computer screen, annoyed by how spineless Shiloh was. No, I'm done with you, Sarah replied. Shiloh lowered her head and closed the door. Sarah was a bit behind that morning. She needed to make a few phone calls before the 10 a.m. meeting. Ronald Henry's retirement party happened last week, and the senior management position was now open in the acquisitions department. Ron was a great mentor and told her that when the position opened up, she would be a prime candidate. Her portfolio was proof enough. In three years, through her direct effort, the company acquired land, rental property, through the district, oil refineries, and was making more money than they knew what to do with. Sarah knew she couldn't ride on those accolades forever. In this business, she was only as good as her last big idea. Her competition was David Mercer, the son of a close family friend to a board member. Ever since he started working for the company, she hated him. He came out of Yale and was placed in a junior management position with no real experience. The company needed to fill the position right away. Instead, the position was held for three months because David was vacationing in Madrid. Meanwhile, Sarah juggled the job duties of two managers for three months. When David arrived, he acted like he was her boss. He made demands masked with the question, may I ask you for assistance on something urgent? If it were anyone else, he would have been made aware of her seniority in the company and disregarded without a second thought, but he was protected. The president of the company entered Sarah's office late one evening, a day before David was to arrive and said, as you know, David starts tomorrow. Make sure you make him feel at home and provide him with the assistance he needs to become a star like you. Sarah knew they favored David, and if she wanted a chance at the position, she had to at least pretend to be a team player. Sarah was about to walk out of her office to the meeting when her assistant popped in. Your meeting is in the executive boardroom in five minutes. Oh, and Dr. Bailey called. His number is 202-513-5554. Sarah looked at her and shook her head. I'm headed there now. I will call back, she said. Sarah snatched the pen and the legal pad her assistant had ready and marched down the hall. David and Sarah arrived at the entrance of the executive boardroom at the same time. David greeted her with a smile. How are you this morning? He said as he held the door open. Sarah flashed a quick smile and walked in before him. The president, the vice president, the CFO, and board members were all seated. When David and Sarah walked in, the board members immediately started smiling and stood up to embrace him. Sarah had to pretend as though she was interested in the discussion the group was having. They asked David how he liked DC, and the board kept stroking his ego by emphasizing the impression he made on the staff in the short time he had been with the company. Sarah tried so hard to hide her envy, but it was nauseating. She had to take the focus off him somehow. I'm sorry, is there an agenda for this meeting? The president replied, Oh no, consider this meeting informal. We are business, but not all the time, Sarah. <laughs> of course, she replied slightly embarrassed. The president used the opportunity to transition to the purpose of the meeting. I've called you both here because you are the young stars of this company. It is no secret that Ron's position needs to be filled. And to be frank, you both are up for consideration, the president said. David smiled and nudged Sarah. 
She flashed another fake smile and continued to be attentive as he spoke. You both have leadership qualities that are great assets for the position. David, though you have only been here for a few months, you've built excellent relationships with many overseas contacts and have really begun to formulate some truly innovative initiatives that I believe will lead us into the future. And Sarah, you have definitely made the company money and maintained the consistency we need to stay vital. With that said, we will be evaluating your work performance for the next few months. Our proposal period is coming up. We all look forward to seeing where else you think this company could go. David winked at Sarah, then directed his comment to the president. I mean, would two stars be too bright? David asked. A few executives chuckled. David nudged Sarah for the second time. Annoyed, she cut her eyes at him and shifted the lighthearted moment back to a serious tone. You won't be disappointed. I'll put us in the right place and prove I'm the best candidate for the position, Sarah said as she ignored David's ridiculous gestures. The executives nodded, then stood up and shook both their hands. Sarah quickly exited the boardroom and David hurried behind. Hey, hey, you walk so fast, David said jokingly as he pursued her. Yes, I walk fast because I have work to do and things to accomplish during the day. Unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of chatting and making small talk with family friends. Sarah turned toward him and stopped abruptly. David almost ran into her, slightly aggravated. Sarah asked, so what can I help you with, David? David smiled and began to speak. He was a tall, good-looking guy, and Sarah could tell that his smile had gotten him places in life. He had a charming, relaxed demeanor that most people gravitated towards. Well, what I proposed in the meeting was not intended to be a joke, even though I think everyone took it that way, David said. What are you talking about? Sarah replied, making no attempt to hide her annoyance. When I asked if two stars would be too bright, I was implying that one position could actually be two, David said. We are both knowledgeable, and I think we could serve the company better if we worked together. Sarah took a step back and folded her arms. So, you're suggesting that we both become senior executives in the mergers and acquisitions department? David placed his arms behind his back and removed his smile to demonstrate his seriousness about the proposal. Yeah, I am. David said. Sarah paused for a moment and laughed. How could he make such a proposition? He knew that he didn't have what it took to be in a senior position and was suggesting a partnership just to mask his inadequacies. Sarah was not having it. Absolutely not. No way, she said as she continued walking. David followed Sarah into her office where he greeted her assistant. Hey, Shiloh. Shiloh smiled, almost blushing. Sarah glared at her assistant, who quickly went back to an email. David, why are you here? Sarah said as she took a seat. I just want you to think about it. That's all. To me, titles aren't as important as what we could accomplish as a team for the company. I've been working on a project that I think would be great if we shared our contacts. I think the proposal is good enough that the execs would consider us working together on this, David said. Sarah thought about the proposal for a second, but cringed at the thought of her and David being on the same level after he had only been working for the company for seven months. The proposition was ridiculous. Sorry, David. I already have a very big project I'm working on, Sarah replied casually. David, unaffected by the rejection, shrugged his shoulders and smiled. No problem then. Best of luck to you, David replied, as though he was assured a victory. The truth was, Sarah had no big project. The executives alluded to the fact that they wanted something cutting edge, and Sarah was in a bit of a rut. She was consistent, 
but not innovative. And she could not keep bringing the same thing to the table. When David walked out, he left the door to Sarah's office slightly cracked. He was talking to her assistant. How did the test go? David asked. Shiloh, excited that he remembered, replied, I got a 96%. Thank you so much for the books. Anytime, David said. You have to join me and my intern Jamal for lunch today. We're going to check out that new sports bar down in Chinatown. Great! <laughs> That'll work for me, Shiloh said with a big smile. We'll meet you in the lobby around 12. David winked at Shiloh and exited. Sarah called Shiloh to her office. Sally, could you get Dr. Bailey on the phone? Sure, Shiloh replied cheerfully. Sarah could tell she was very happy about the lunch. Oh, Sally, one more thing. Sarah stopped typing and looked up at her. I hope you don't have any lunch plans. I'm really going to need you today. Shiloh's smile faded and she closed the door. Sarah began breathing heavily and frantically searching for her anxiety medication when the phone rang. It was Dr. Bailey. I need to see you today. Do you have a slot this afternoon? Sarah asked. Slow down, Sarah. Yes, I do. Come around 3.30 p.m., Dr. Bailey replied. Sarah hung up the phone placed her head in her hands, then tapped her fingers on the desk as she thought about all she needed to tell her therapist. When Sarah arrived at Dr. Bailey's office, she had to wait for about 15 minutes to be seen. Her legs shook as she constantly checked the time. Dr. Bailey will see you now, the secretary said. She stormed into the office and slammed the door. I absolutely hate him, Sarah shouted, as though shouting was her only source of relief. Calm down, Sarah. Hate is such a strong word, Dr. Bailey said. Dr. Bailey had been her psychiatrist for close to a decade, and he knew her better than anyone. He literally makes me sick, Sarah replied. He has done nothing of significance with his life, yet he gets everything. Everyone loves him and thinks he's so smart and charming, when I know he's not. Sarah took a seat on the couch, folded her arms, and became reflective. You know what he asked me today? Dr. Bailey was startled by her sudden jolt forward. He calmly took a seat and signaled for her to continue. He had the audacity to ask me if we could work together on a project, just so he can slack the hell off, Sarah said. Maybe he respects you and your work and can see the two of you working well together. Have you considered that motive? Dr. Bailey replied. Sarah was offended by the suggestion he made and quickly corrected him. No, that's not it. He wants to use me. Sarah got up and paced around the office. She glanced at Dr. Bailey scribbling in his notepad. <sighs> I need to be on my A-game. Dr. Bailey looked at her and wrote some more. Sarah walked closer and positioned herself right in front of him to get his attention. I need another prescription, Sarah said. Sarah, you're not due for a refill for at least a couple of months. No, I will not give you a prescription, Dr. Bailey said with authority. Sarah inched closer to him and began undoing her shirt. Come on, Andrew. I know how to handle meds. I won't OD. Dr. Bailey and Sarah began having a sexual relationship about five years ago. Their inappropriate and unhealthy relationship has been a series of temper tantrums and lies. They use each other to satisfy needs that never reach the root of the problem. Sarah made him feel young, and he rewarded her with drugs. Sarah removed his glasses and passionately kissed him. Dr. Bailey reached over and turned down a picture of his wife and children. Sarah stopped kissing him and looked back at the frame, now face down on his desk. 
He slid her bra straps down and kissed her neck and shoulders. Why do you always do that? Sarah asked. She was irritated. Dr. Bailey was in the process of undoing her bra, hoping to distract her. Why does it concern you? He asked. Sarah raised herself off his lap abruptly, ending the romance. Just stop the psych bullshit. She reached for her blouse. <laughs> You're never leaving her, are you? Sarah asked as she tried to maintain her composure. Dr. Bailey closed his eyes momentarily as he grabbed the back of her arm. Don't touch me, she screamed. Worried someone might hear, Dr. Bailey whispered, Sarah, lower your voice. Sarah, in an even louder tone, replied, Just give me the damn prescription, asshole. Dr. Bailey took a pin out of his pocket and gave her what she wanted. He just wanted Sarah to calm down and leave. She snatched the prescription, wiped her sleeve across her eyes, and stormed out of his office. Sarah arrived home, rested her back against the wall, and slid to the floor. She studied the furniture in the foyer. It was modern and sleek and beautiful, but uninviting. She began the usual routine. She set the TV to CNN, changed into her silk pajamas, and pulled out her laptop. The light blinked on her answering machine. She had a voicemail. Andrew probably called to apologize. She pressed the button and listened. Hi, sweetheart. It's your mother. I know I'm probably the last person you want to hear from, but I love you. I need to make sure you're okay and you're doing well. Please call me. Sarah pressed delete. She took one Xanax, reached under her bed, and pulled out a bottle of Merlot. She poured a full glass and downed it quickly. Slightly buzzed, she slid under her gray comforter and drifted off to sleep. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that reading of Spiritual Warfare, please show your support by downloading a copy on Kindle. Make sure you tune in for the next chapter. Please also subscribe to A Knowing Spirit. The link is in the description. Until next time, God bless.